Hello, everyone, and welcome to Climate Change in the Multiverse. I'm Kelly Tatham, and today we're joined by my dear friend, Anna Valeska Pohl, and she joins us from Regensburg, Germany. <laughs> Anna is a performance artist and director whose work has been described as blasphemous, pornographic, subversive. <laughs> She says, my art is poetry, punk, cyborg, resistance, playboy, Greek tragedy, grotesque, abject political. My art is not black and white, boring, nice to watch, good taste. I love that. I love that description. And I'm so excited to have you here with us today, Anna. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me, Kelly. <laughs> I feel really honored to be here on this podcast and I'm quite excited to dig into this conversation. As I talked with Kelly before, I'm also a feminist and my work is very feminist. And I think this is deeply needed, especially right now in these really trying times we are all facing. So, Yes, absolutely. Thank you for saying that. I was thinking this morning, I was meditating on the concept of pipelines because in many places in the world pipelines are being put in and I was looking at how the activism is being performed around trying to stop that and thinking that we're missing the point that what's happening is just this masculine energy coming in and degrading the earth, raping the earth, raping the feminine exactly. and I'm seeing so much of that missing from the conversation of of what's going on is just this return this need to return to the feminine this need to protect the feminine and that's what i appreciate so much about your work is that you are not afraid to go there you are so unapologetic in your performance of of showing what it's like when we don't respect the feminine showing what it's the reality of what exists for so many women on the planet, so many femme identifying people, and just the feminine that exists in everyone and how we exploit that. And you shine a big, big light on that. Mm -hmm. And it's so beautiful. And yet it makes people very, very uncomfortable a lot of the time. Right, right. But the other part of it is also what you have been also talking a lot about in your own work is the vulnerability. So it's not just the people feel very much provoked by it and they often get these comments like this is provocative. Well, it's not necessarily negative, but sometimes it is just thrown onto me. So she does that just in order to provoke. She does that as a feminine, a feminist artist. But is she really an artist or why does she do it? So, I mean, I got all these comments and then I always think but my work doesn't come from that place. My work comes from this vulnerability and my work comes from the wound we feel. And right now, talking about this climate crisis, this is so real for all of us because the environment is wounded. So many people are wounded. They have already to face all these consequences. Of course, there are these people a lot of our politicians who don't have to deal with it directly, not with their body, not with their physicality. And they can just live their life and they have a lot of money and they have this like fancy houses. Of course, they might not see the necessity that we have to change something. But there are a lot of people who are deeply affected. And I mean, I actually want to look at those people and I want to give those people a voice. And this is connected, of course, to pain. And this is also connected to trauma. So I'm, yeah, a source of my work is really also very deep personal trauma. A trauma, traumas I have faced as a woman myself, but also traumas that are like this intergenerational traumas we have faced. And then also, yeah, the feminine, what is that? I mean, this is also much broader. It's not just we as women. It's also like the queer people. This is also the LGBT movement. These are all the misfits that haven't had a place in the system we have been creating for so long. And the system is, of course, ruled 
by what I call in my work in Baby Paradise, I call this the daddies. And they think in this daddy methodology. And yeah, that's it. Wow. Can you tell us a little bit about how you embody that in your work, how you showcase it? Yeah, that's a difficult question, of course. But I would try. So, um, yeah, my work, as well, so I was talking already about Baby Paradise. And Baby Paradise is, meanwhile, something what I call a punk trilogy about trauma and taboo. And it is a um, series of works that deals with power, sex control, and a Barbie doll playing prostitute. And she has this name, Baby Paradise. And so in my show I've created, and which also premiered at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, um, she actually offers her services to the performance visitors, so, and they become immediately customers. And so I'm there and I'm, so I'm trying to sell them some Barbie dolls in very sexual manners and I offer the dolls and they can touch the dolls, they can interact with the dolls. I'm also smoking dolls or using the dolls as, as a dildo, just putting them in my mouth. And this, of course, triggers a lot of reaction. Just me as a female performing in this very sexualized way um, and then also coming in close contact with the people because there are no borders between me and the audience. And so I, I let them, for example, also brush my teeth with a Barbie doll or I also let them put like Barbie dolls onto my body. Um, and then I also let them take photographs of me in a way that pleases them. And there is all these things that are negotiated, like this power and control things. And so the people always can decide, do they want to go with that? Do they want to kind of oppress me and abuse me, use me as a doll? Or do they want to, in a way, respond to it differently and have an intimate moment with me? For example, with the toothbrushing, this was mostly very humiliating. So the people would sometimes brush my teeth and then uh, you really get some wounds in your mouth because I did this for months. So it was really a sensitive area as well. Um, and then there were other people who were super gentle with that. And they did it like they would care for a child. Mm. And so this is the way I ne negotiate things, especially in, in the live performance. Um, what I do with the films is um, that I try to go very deep and close to what causes like the wound, what causes the trauma and going very close with the camera and also trying not to have, yeah, this kind of fourth wall, but being so close as possible you can get. And, and so that it gets, to a very painful point because I believe that certain things that are not talked about um, that we have been silenced about um, that they have to be shown and that they have to come to light. Mm. Absolutely. I completely agree. I think that we've really neglected our shadow sides in, in this search for being better that we don't look inside ourselves and really seek to transmute all of those parts um, because we've all been so de deeply socialized by these systems, by the daddies. And exactly. so I'm curious, I'm curious what the, the reactions are to your work. I know you've told me in the past that there's been very strong reactions that people have been very adverse. I know that you were, almost banned from your hometown where you are right oh. now because of but you've traveled all over the world you've been to venice new york new mexico edinburgh prague um with your work so i'm curious what the reactions are in different different places if, if people are more receptive or um more open more 
in tune with what you're, what you're offering and, and yeah, speak to that. Yeah. Yeah. So in my hometown, it was a very hard process because I actually, I started out from here as a totally unknown artist. And the first time I, I did all that, I didn't get much approval at all. So, but I continued. And then at some point, there was this thing that our work got really censored. So we have, have this performance, which is called My Home is Not My Home. Uh, what, of course, is already a comment on the place where I'm coming from. Um, and um, my boyfriend and I, and uh, also now another collaborator of us has joined us. Um, we are characters from the Bible. So I'm a Madonna figure and um, my partner, he is a Jesus, but he is mute and blind and he's mute as well. So he's a very vulnerable Jesus. Um, and the two of us were starting doing this performance. And so the Department of Culture um, got to know about this uh, because they wanted first to uh, program it at a festival. And so then they found out what we were actually doing. And so they let us show it. And that led to this point where they censored us, where they really said to us, if you show this at this festival, you will have to pay... Um, penalty of contract and you can't show this and this image of the performance because we don't appreciate it you can't do this here in this city mm. and then i told them you know you are trying to censor us right now and i can't accept that because we have freedom of art and so yeah from there it became a big like art scandal and uh, from certain authorities in the city, which is a very conservative city. And so there's the church and there's also the press who is not really free in that sense because they write what the church wants them to write or they write what the city government wants them to write. And so they were all the friends of us. So we got really kind of, yeah, ashamed there because they wrote about me that I'm this really hysteric person, someone who isn't actually an artist, but someone who is just seeking attention. They also wrote about what I was wearing as my performance costume. They made it seem like it was like my private outfit. So how I would present myself as a woman on Instagram posing uh, in that sense. And so there were a very, very hard reactions to that work. Um, but from there, you know, a lot of other people, um, so we got more attention also from other people. And from there, it was also a turning point where suddenly a lot more people saw my work and really appreciated what I was doing. I had been to New York before so I could have, uh, I showed some parts of a performance in New York in a super underground uh, space in 2015. And this was actually the first time where I felt people really appreciate what I was doing. And this gave me a lot of power to really sustain in this atmosphere of resistance I was confronted with in my hometown. And yeah, till the art scandal, I still sticked with being here because I didn't know where else to go and I didn't have like this uh, confidence as an artist as I have now. Um, and so from there, when this art scandal happened, also other people would suddenly see what I was doing. And a year later, um, the um, Bavarian Broadcasting in German, it's the Bayerische Rundfunk, wrote about me um, that I'm one of the top five emerging artists in Bavaria. And so, so it, it completely turns. And then I also went to Berlin and in Berlin there's of course this art community. And so the people appreciated much more. And even we went to Edinburgh and showed our baby paradise. Um, and also a lot of people appreciated it. I mean, we got also 
um, a five-star review in The Guardian, which is the best what you can get. And so it was, it was just amazing. And I was so blessed that we got there all this really positive attention. But on the other hand, there have always been people all over the world who were kind of, yeah, really pissed by my work. So there are people walking out my work and there are people like writing really bad things on the internet about my work. And even in this very open art scene in Berlin, there are people and there's also some of my colleagues. And this is actually what really hurts me when some of my colleagues give you like this attitude and you feel exactly they really don't like what you do and they really don't appreciate it and they feel obviously provoked but they don't even talk with me why is that um because i have no problem if like this conservative people don't like it because this is actually the people and the system i want to dismantle <laughs> but if like people i'm like kind of feel a solidarity with and they also don't like it so uh, yeah, this is something um, I'm still feeling a bit, yeah, it, it hit me sometimes. It really hit me and I, I couldn't get it. But yeah, but yeah, from time to time, I'm more aware that my work obviously triggers in people something which is so deep that they can't help themselves. Mm. It, it triggers maybe something which is so much oppressed in them and which which is so much connected to what is actually tabooed in our society and that it just can't help. And especially also these things with like being a woman and also doing sometimes in this performances very sexual things. What I personally would even say, it's so sexual, but a lot of people, they are even so shocked still by seeing nudity. Mm. And also if you use nudity in a way that it is a vulnerable place of being, they just see, oh, this is a woman and she is sexualizing herself. And these are some of the reactions I get because you can feel that because I'm always working in this very close, in this live performance settings, very close, um, there is no distance. And so you really feel everything the people give to you when they feel provoked when they look at you with a certain kind of look and then as a performer i can decide how i respond to that because sometimes i'm pushing against that but sometimes i just take it in and for the other people witnessing that that i'm taking it in it becomes also very very painful to witness but i think that reveals a lot and that's the work I have to do. I see it sometimes like being in a way a vessel for all that and for channeling that through my work. And as you know, I also do a lot of like spiritual practice and I think that's also deeply needed to also get rid of these feelings again because you can't take that home when you trigger so much, you can't go to sleep as that. Otherwise, you're going to be a very broken artist soon. No kidding. Wow. So tell us a bit about the practices you do to expel that energy. Yeah, I'm doing a lot of meditation. Uh, usually, I stop my, my day with writing so i actually write three pages of stream of consciousness every day and then i go into meditation i do some yoga do some meditation i also practice tai chi um, and do exercises and this i do yeah every day what and time do I you think, wake up sorry what time do you wake up I don't, I'm not an early riser, to be honest. <laughs> so I'm usually not awake before 9 or 10 a.m. So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious about nine. people's yeah. sleeping habits and, and waking no, no, time. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm more a night worker, so, so my day starts very slow. Mm -hmm. It was like doing all these practices and 
then also, I mean, I do this through the day, especially right now in this time where we don't have so much else to do outside the house. Um, I'm doing much more of those things. So I'm coming back to it later. I'm doing some rehearsal stuff. Then I'm also doing an exercise, Tai Chi. And I also have, yeah, do some rituals as well. Mm. Not like every day regularly, but I do, of course, I'm doing this witchcraft things like reading tarot or just do some rituals for whatever I need. If I need some cleansing ritual or some closure ritual, I'm going to do this or I have my rituals before I go and have an important performance or I travel, I have my own rituals. And right here, what I actually love about my hometown and the place where I live here is that we have the garden and that we can be very connected to nature. Mm. And so I often go out even when it's dark and I watch the stars and I'm trying to connect myself with the nature mm. and, and this groundedness, I mean, that helps me to sustain, especially when you go to a place like Venice and there was at this, at the beginning of the year, international performance art week. So you live there for two weeks and this mode of just performing, just doing, just presenting, being in contact with the outside, being, finding, meeting new people, new collaborators, what is beautiful. But on the other hand, it lacks this grounding. And if you don't work on this for yourself every day, then you easily get lost in that. And so, yeah, I'm doing this for some years now, actually. I, I started to do it more and more um, the deeper I got into my own practice as an artist, the more spiritual I became, actually. Mm, I feel the same way. It's really, that's been the path of, I think, because both of us in our art is deeply vulnerable, and to expose that rawness is, um, you have to find the tools to survive because you're putting yourself out into the world so honestly um, and painfully often. And, and then especially when it's not well received, you have to find ways to transmute that. Otherwise, just fall apart. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think we all need this, this groundedness. And also another part of it is, I think, um, for the creation to come into, um, yeah, to really go deep into your inner source and to connect with that. I mean, that's, that's another thing. And from there, I feel the work comes because mm -hmm. from there, all the honesty comes because I'm never doing something I don't feel completely. That's, that's for me the thing. I really have to feel what I do and it has to come to me and it has to be revealed. And that's, that's a very long process for me because sometimes things happen so intuitively. Like when I did this, my home, it's not my home performance for the first time. I just um, went to this thrift shop and then I found this Madonna figures and some plastic Madonna figure which became very important and which was also one of the reasons why everything turned into an art scandal. Um, but I just found it and it spoke to me. And from there, from this object, I started to create my character. And I often have also like dreams and in dreams is something revealed to me. And I try always to listen to that very carefully. And I think this is also this process of finding your intuitive self, of being really connected to who you are and also what you are supposed to bring into the world. Mm. What is your true voice? When can you speak from the things that are most important to you, but also reflect what is important to other people. And I think if you go to this deepest point in yourself, then you can achieve that. And it's for me, it's actually my approach to art because art has always been something in our 
earlier societies, it has been something healing. It also was connected to prophecy mm. and it was connected to ritual. I mean, this is also like what performance art is often defined that this is also a modern form of ritual in a way. Um, yeah, I think in parts it's definitely true. And especially for like you as an artist to find these creations in yourself and what wants to be expressed through you. You have to find this point. And I think one access point is really this deep spiritual work. Mm. And this has also to do with focus and silence. And silence is something what I also take from here, my hometown, because I've always been an outsider here. I hadn't many friends here. This has been my whole life like this. And when I come back here, it's always, oh, I know I will be lonely for the time I'm here. I, I will sit there with myself and just uh, have my art. And yeah, thanks God, now we have like the internet and I can connect with people like you. Um, but it hasn't been like this for a long time in my life. And so I'm, I'm very, very much used to also the situation we are facing right now with the coronavirus where we can't meet our loved ones. For me, it has been a long time in my life like that, that I had to deal with loneliness. But the other side of loneliness was for me always, yeah, the silence and the solitude. Mm. Because this is what brings you to yourself. And this is that you really understand who you are. And then as an artist, it's not anymore about making a career or having success. It's really about what have you to offer? What have you to give the world? What is your urge? What is your urgency? And why are you doing what you're doing? Yeah. That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. And I think that this narrative that we live in, this notion of the starving artist, the struggling artist, is really imposed upon us by the capitalist patriarchal system. That this notion that we don't deserve to express what's inside of us, that, that art isn't valid. Um, and even though we all turn to art, especially in times like these, and it is, art has always been uplifted with money and wealth and power, there's still this very strong cultural narrative. And we know that many people are raised being told that, that, that they can't do that or they shouldn't do that or it's not a worthwhile pursuit. And yet art is the thing that allows us to transmute our pain, to express ourselves. I think it's one of the most powerful ways that we can heal ourselves. And if we're able to look at everything as an artistic expression in our lives, to step into that, we reclaim our power. And, oh, I love what you're saying about just tapping into your intuition and, and coming from that place and, and living from that place as an artist and expressing what needs to come through. Because I truly believe that everyone has medicine. You know, you and I met in a, in a witch circle with Lisa Lister and that was such a beautiful process because she really helped guide us through expressing ourselves in, in an embodied way, in a way that really centered the notion that, that our truth, that our art is medicine that we offer to the world and also gifted us the ability to, to be with it and to not rush, not to feel the, the, not to live in the belief that art equals, that has to be productive to be worthwhile, which is, I think something that's also imposed on us a lot is that we need to be producing all of the time and that it only has value if it's earning money. Um, so yeah, that is, that is so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, I have so many questions for you. I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, which way do we go? Which path do we take? Um, I'm curious to know, what you think this this virus situation is all about or what you are gaining from it or what you hope that the world is gaining from it yeah yeah it's again a very difficult question yeah i mean i think we have as a society and as the world definitely the chance 
to rethink a lot of things right now. Also, our values is one of our values still constant economic growth, or is it more important to protect those who are in a way vulnerable, who are marginalized? I mean, this is a good thing that we actually also now practice social distancing because we want to protect those people. But on the other hand, there are those who have always been forgotten. And my worry is that we might go back to this because right now it's also a lot has been discussed about, yeah, when can we open again, that the economy can grow again. Uh, yeah. So what can we take out from this or... I mean, for me, it's like, as I described my personal process, I can deal with the situation for myself. I know I have work to do that can only be done in a certain kind of solitude. But there are so many other people who can't. And I actually feel also very privileged that I have the time and the resources to actually pursue art, that I have a mother who can give me this home mm. so that I don't have to worry about what, how can I pay my rent. Um, so I think it's extremely difficult to say, because I feel that a lot of people really suffer right now. And I even have a lot of friends who are facing really hardship and who are really scared about the future. And the thing what I try to do from my place is like, I try to be the light. I, I try to kind of cheer them up in a personal way. And I also try to make my work and continue my work to bring the light in general, the light to the darkness. Because what is revealed now, I think it's a lot of darkness. I mean, it is revealed that even in the Western countries, we haven't put enough money in the healthcare system. I mean, that is actually unbelievable that it is really so messed up. I mean, Germany is one of the countries that probably has a very good healthcare system. So that's why I feel also in Germany, the situation is not so tense as I feel it for the US where I have a lot of friends and where I just get the news and um, from the news, I always get this very devastated feeling. So yes, what is the chance with that? The chance is, as I said at the beginning, we can rethink it, we can rethink our patterns, we can also uses artists the time to reimagine what is of value. We can reimagine um, our narratives about power, for example, about how are our resources distributed. So we can at least, yeah, in a way, offer a utopia to the people and I hope I mean I'm also even if that sounds also a bit concerned right now I'm still an optimist I'm still someone who believes in change and I still believe that we can really come out of this crisis in a form of rebirth mm. and Interestingly, I had some dreams about giving birth. And it was very, actually very positive dream. I had like, I think two or three weeks ago where I gave birth to, yeah, to a child, to a son. Um, and it was without pain. And this is for me also, it can be a metaphor for what is happening right now that the earth 
reverses itself. Mm. And of course, I also think that there are, it's not a coincidence that we have this climate catastrophe and that we now have the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. So I don't think, but I'm not a scientist and so I can't really say anything about that, but it's just my feeling. And I hope that things will change from that point. Yeah. But it might also still be a process of pain that can't deny. You know, that's what I sit with all of the time is this inherent optimism and also awareness of the suffering in the world. And, um, you know, I don't think we need scientists to tell us that coronavirus and climate change are related because everything is related. You know, that is the reality. Um, We are interdependent. We are interconnected. Um, We're all part of the same whole and everything that we experience is a different expression of that whole. And so I think a big part of the reason we're in in so much trouble right now is because of this notion of separation and this belief that we're that that humans are somehow separate from nature. Um, you know, this we're living under a myth of human supremacy, um, which is what has allowed us to 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 do all of these things to the planet to um, abuse um, the beautiful resources we've been offered. Um, But yeah, I've also been sitting with the suffering of other people because I'm in a position of so much privilege and I feel so deeply and it's very easy for me to slip into this space where I'm not getting anything done because I am so upset and angry and and feeling for people who are are much more impacted. But then I realized that that wasn't useful, that I was just causing suffering in myself and that like you say, I would just try to bring joy to people. If, if, if I can just focus on that, then perhaps I can actually make a difference instead of just being with my anger and my grief, even though those things are valid and necessary to move through, we can't, we can't stick with them. Um, that's what I've loved so much about learning to practice witchcraft is it's really this vessel for moving energy for releasing. Um, you know, I, I pulled a tarot card yesterday morning and it was 10 of swords and I was like, Oh, ugh. <laughs> I don't like, I don't, I don't want this. And I tried to put it back in the deck and I was like, no, Kelly, you, you got to work with it. Um, and then I realized it was an invitation to, to burn away, um, old beliefs and release them. And, um, and that was, that was incredibly powerful. Um, so I see people doing that more and more, engaging more in, in, in energetic practices, um, deciding to tap into the joy instead of the suffering. Um, and I wonder, I, some of my spiritual te- teachers have been speaking about how we're shifting into something different. Um, and not even just spiritual teachers, all sorts of teachers are talking about this shift and this change. But then I want, and then I look again around at all of the suffering and I go, how could it be? Is this just like this ridiculous spiritual bypassing notion? But I wonder if you see a shift happening, if, if you have noticed a difference in your friends, in audiences reaction that, that indicates that things are changing and, and more quickly than ever before. Uh, That's also a good question. I don't know if I saw this before. Yeah. But I think there is a change happening. But it's not something I can really grasp right now. So it's it's very, very intuitive and very spiritual that it feels for me. Yeah, because right now I, I just just sometimes see like the people I work with and that are my friends and I'm like, yeah, I'm here in Germany. I'm, I'm quite safe. Um, you are in the U S and you might not even have access to healthcare. And so, so this is, um, yeah, what actually worries me. But I mean, 
as I said, especially in Venice, there were a lot of people I connected with, and these are all like this really feminist or queer artists, and we coming all from these different places all over the world, and we share so much and this is where this discussion came about like what is a bitch and how can we maybe be bitches and uh, also reclaim also this word for us um, and being this kind of badass women not even just women but just people expressing maybe freely also their needs their sexuality their vulnerability their passions um, and I feel when I see the work of my colleagues, I feel there is some change because we all are really working hard on dismantling the system. And, and this is for me the most certain indicator that there's gonna be new times ahead. I mean, I hope this, and I always say that my work is born out of this homesickness mm -hmm. for a better world. And this is what I really believe. I do the work because I believe in a better world. And that's why I keep doing it. Even if I'm facing a lot of struggles, also sometimes financially and things like that. And I'm like, I have to keep going. And then when I see suddenly all these other people coming together in Venice, believing in the same things and working with the same passion for it, then I think, yes, we are all on the right path. And if we can make it hurt, then there might be change happening. And another feminist I really admire is Lori Penny. And she said that um, revolution starts in the human imagination. Mm. And so who else than artists can build so clearly this imagination for people? Who can leave also scars in the imagination of people that make them want to change things? Mm. And this is like also what we have been talking about before was also about art and activism. And I think for both of us, this is so close related to each other. Yeah, I no longer see a separation between the two. Yes. It just feels like, and it actually just occurred to me yesterday. I don't, I don't know that I identify as an artist anymore. Because for so long I, I thought, oh, I'm a filmmaker, I'm a writer, I'm a photographer. Okay. Then I realized, I'm like, I'm a witch and I'm a philosopher. And those are the mediums through which I communicate. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, this might be totally true because also this old thing is also so capitalist that we have to identify ourselves or even to categorize what kind of artist are you. So please say what kind of medium you work in. So you are a painter, or a filmmaker, performance artist. And I actually, I hate all this categorization because for me, it's also, it's a way of thinking. It's also a way of living. It's a way of approaching everything. And it can also be the term witch. And I mean, also the term artist is very broad if you see it historically. Mm. So... For me, it makes absolute sense because I sometimes I hate it also to to this uh, need to identify myself because I do things that are so much on the border of everything. So I can't even say, is this a theatrical piece or is that really a film? I don't know, but it doesn't matter at the end. What really matters is how you communicate to the people and how you express yourself or what is your medium for your, let's call it witchcraft. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel that, I feel that so deeply and the way that I know that I'm seeking to express the way that I'm expressing is very much beyond boundaries. And 
wanting it to be multidimensional, wanting it to be this thing that people experience outside of categories because to categorize something is to live under the separation of illusion. To create a boundary is to, to put a container around something and said, this exists here and that exists there and they're separate. But that's not true. And I, and I see that with so many of us, so many of the, the artists, the witches that I'm surrounded by. You know, everyone's learning how to express themselves in different ways and being called to express themselves in different ways. And the world is still catching up with that. They still, there are many people who still want to find ways to put us in boxes. And I find that the, the technology is really lagging in terms of how we can offer um, our medicine, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to share this memoir of mine that I've been creating and there doesn't seem to be a space or a platform that I can put it through yet because it, it exists as the written word, as the spoken word, as a visual image. Um, and, you know, everything is just like, oh, well, it's either it comes in a book or it's a film, or it's a song, you know? And so it's like, how do we put something into the world that is all in none of these things and, and beyond these boundaries, which is the truth that, that wants to come through me? Yes, exactly. And, and this is what matters, what I said. It's, it's like how we communicate this and the truth and how we find the truth. And for me, it's also since I work, for example, in these different medias to be in these categories again, um, I could never start with a project and say to you, for example, this is going to be a performance installation or this is going to be a film. I just start and then I listen to it, what comes up. And at some point, it's going to tell me this is going to be that or that. And this is like, I feel much more organic. And this is much more what is connected to the needs of our body and also the needs of the spiritual energy we use for our creations. And, and I think also the separation thing and also like defining your work, this is so capitalist in a way. And this is really like this world, like in this binaries, like with a gender binary. So we are raised in this. And so there's male and there's female. And yeah, we have to question all of this, of course. And to come back maybe to a unity. And yeah, what you say as well is we, why do we have to be separated? Why is that so important? And I think and separation is always important because it establishes power structures, mm. male over female as a simple one. Absolutely. And over the poor. Well, we can't have power without the absence of power. We can't have wealth without poverty. You know, until we achieve equilibrium, um, we will always have these, these structures um, and these dichotomies and these binaries. Um, that's mm -hmm. why, you know, I look to, to queer folks as such heroes, um, to, to trans folks, to non-binary individuals is just saying, you know, this is my truth. And I see that that's the way the world is moving. We're just, we're shifting beyond that. And I want to say that it, we don't know that, I think a lot of the time it's hard for us to step forward without knowing what the third of the fourth step is not being able to see what's coming or where we're going. But I think it's really important for us to just keep taking the steps and following our intuition and trusting that it will unfold and that we, we actually can't know what's coming next or what it's going to look like, that that's a really important part of it. Yeah. Oh, Anna, it's such a pleasure speaking with you. <laughs> yeah, it goes quite deep. And so... <laughs> Uh, tell me, what are you what are you working on now? What's what's coming next for you? Um, I'm always working on many projects at once. I'm such a person who's always like jiggling around some things, but I need this. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, but right now I'm I'm trying um, really to find a form uh, for my newest project, which is called Alice in Loveland. So this is obviously a project about love in a way, um, but also what I call in a way sexual dependency. And it has to do with, yeah, a lot of things that are projected onto us as women, as women again. So, um, I mean, I, I um, try to find, to experiment with some characters uh, for this piece. And um, there's one story of Ophelia, for example. So she committed suicide in a way out of love. And there are a lot of those stories for women. Um, and I try to, to examine this and to try to find where are the dependencies and how can we actually break them. And as always, I mean, I've already tried out this project a bit. I'm always experimenting and make work in progress showings. And so I had one showing of this work in Berlin um, where I, for example, let the audience uh, write love letters to my character, Alice. And then I would read their letters um, as Alice, uh, which was extremely beautiful because this were really this um, human connection. And I also felt this longing for this connection. And people wrote me some very beautiful poetic things. And yeah, I think that's, it has a lot of potential. I don't know how I will go from there or how I will maybe incorporate this in my piece. So this is part of my process. Um, but it definitely has this potential to connect. But I also experiment with like this character being very needy and also like very much just kind of a good girl. And so it's very easy to get the attention from the audience when you are like this. But then there are other parts of the character where she is just crazy hysteric. And so people immediately don't look at you. So this is also with what I'm trying to experiment, that it is very much easier for people to look at you if you fit into the terms. And if you're going out and breaking out, then you are immediately not looked at. You don't, they don't want to see it. And so this is also part of the project and it's going to be very poetic. I use orchids and I have like this idea that I'm going to um, put some of the orchids in my vagina and then giving birth to the orchids. And so it's also with dealing with very poetic images and I'm going to work with sand and I had created an image where I was um, let the audience bury my body in sand, which was also very intimate. Yeah, so things like that. It might might sound also a bit still chaotic, <laughs> but this is part of my process uh, because Pina Bausch, uh, she once said that uh, her pieces grow from the inside out and I feel the same about my work. It usually is very much growing and I often don't know myself in what direction it's going to take me, but at some point I really find the form. But it acquires a lot of work and it also acquires a lot of trust in your intuition and to go also to places where you also feel a bit uncomfortable comfortable to go yourself. But I think from this process, actually, all my works evolved. And I think that the truth I find in this work and um, my works, which hit also the audience so much, comes really from this deep process I'm doing with myself, that I go back and back and back. A lot of people will tell me, your work is already finished, you have already had some good performance runs with it. And I'm, no, it's not finished. I know I'm looking for something deeper and I have to look again and again and again till I find it. But this is so much, also sometimes so much frustration and so much like, I don't know if I can do it. Mm. But it's the same process I had with Baby Paradise. I did never know that it would turn into some films at the end. And I just started experimenting with one Barbie doll 
and the idea for a character who is a prostitute. And suddenly now I have like 50 Barbie dolls and I have two films with it and I have a performance installation with it where the audience interacts with me as this Barbie doll playing prostitute. So it's always this wild ride with my works. And it has to do, as we said before, with really trusting the intuition. And it's probably also a form of, of practicing some kind of ritual. Mm. Mm. Wow, beautiful, thank you. Thank you, I'm really excited to, to continue and engage with your work. It is so powerful. Yeah. yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I put in all my powers <laughs> and I hope that my audience and my colleagues and friends really feel it. Yeah. yeah. Where can people find your work? Um, yeah, at the moment, of course, we have our website, Bambula Babies, where I have some of my portfolio. Um, I mostly share right now also on Instagram, which is uh, Anna Valeska Pohl. Um, yeah, just at Anna Valeska Pohl. Um, Kelly, maybe you can put some link <laughs> somewhere <laughs> after this conversation. Um, yeah, so this is where I'm, especially on my Instagram, I really try to share on a regular basis also sometimes my process how I come to the work and I see my Instagram also as a connection to my collaborators friends and also to share these um, exchanges we have as artists with other people and um, yeah and hopefully <laughs> soon as the world opens up a bit again I hope that my films uh, are gonna be screened on festivals and I'm gonna show my um, performance installation in some of the major cities but right now everything is pending <laughs> so to be honest <laughs> but this is a uh, yeah status quo we all have to deal with right now and as long as it, that's the case, I at least try to share some parts of my work online. And yeah, but I'm also, as I said before, optimistic that soon I will be sharing much more with actual audiences in actual settings and venues and festivals. <laughs> oh, I sure hope so. <laughs> yeah. I sure hope yeah. so. I trust that the mother nature has us um, in her care and it will unfold as it needs to. And I, of course, selfishly hope that we can all go back out into the world and share our art in those ways. But I know that our work will get out there um, and it will get to the people it needs to get to. Yeah. I'm it needs to get to them. Yeah, I think so too. I think so also when you express something what is really deep and honest, that the universe will always provide ways for you. I mean, even with this podcast right now and our conversation, for example, it's also a way to really spread all the mission we have and our beliefs. And I think that's, that's extremely important right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your light. And your love, it's, it's so radiant. It's been so beautiful. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, it was a pleasure. <laughs> it was a pleasure. And actually, I really can't wait to, yeah, to come back to some place where I can meet you again. I know. With the last two times, well, the only two times we met was in Los Angeles. And that was... Um, yeah. That was such a beautiful gift when you, when you told me you were coming last minute and I happened to be there. I just, I knew it was like, everything's aligned. We're on the right path. Everything's working yeah, out. Totally. This is one of those synchronicities. We haven't talked in depth, but yeah, it definitely was. And uh, also the photo shooting we did together. I mean, I loved it. It, it was so much of this connection and this immediate and spontaneous action of doing something together what really mattered to me a lot and yeah so yes so i hope yeah maybe la is one of my favorite places so <laughs> totally. i hope it's 
a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> or Europe. I'm dying to go to Europe, but I mean, gosh, who knows? Yeah. I'm just one day at a time here. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, we all hope so. I'm also kind of addicted to like traveling since I don't want to be trapped in my hometown for too long. But yeah, as I said, I mean, they need your energy there, Anna. <laughs> yeah, right now, probably. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Yeah. Oh, well, darling, we'll speak again soon. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you so much, too.